And uh, an elderly Italian man lived alone in New Jersey. He wanted to plant his, his annual tomato garden. But it was very difficult work as the ground had become too hard. His only son, Vincent, used to help him with the garden. But now he was in prison. The old man wrote a letter to his son to describe his problem. It goes like this. Dear Vincent, I'm feeling pretty sad because it looks like I won't be able to plant my tomato garden this year. I'm just getting too old to be digging up a garden plot. I know if you were here, my troubles would be over. I know you would be happy to dig up the ground for me, like in the old days. Love, Papa. That was nice. A few days later, the father receives a letter from his son. Dear Pop, don't dig up the garden. That's where I buried the bodies. Love, Vinny. (laughs) At 4 a.m. the following morning, FBI agents and local police arrived and dug up the entire garden area without finding any bodies. They apologized to the old man and left. The same day, the old man received another letter from his son. Dear Pop, go ahead and plant the tomatoes now. That's the best I could do under the circumstances. I love you, Vinny. (laughs) That was funny. (laughs) I don't know how much it applies to my message about honoring our parents, but I just really couldn't, uh, I couldn't pass it up, so... Sorry. We are still working our way through the Ten Commandments. And if you recall, when we began our study, I explained that the Ten Commandments are divided into two parts. The first part, the first four commandments, are focused on man's relationship to God. The second part, the last six commandments, are focused on man's relationship with one another. So the Ten Commandments are divided, and yet they are connected. Do you remember when Jesus was asked, what is The greatest commandment. Remember that? I I touched on this, this passage a little bit last week. But in Mark chapter 12, 
beginning with verse 29, we are told, Jesus answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. In his answer, Jesus summed up the entire Ten Commandments in only two. The first four were summed up with the words, You shall love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the last six commandments were summed up with the words, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus gave two separate commandments, but he linked them together. What does it look like to love God wholeheartedly with all your being? It looks like loving others. Loving your neighbor is the practical application of loving God. That's what it looks like. Our love for God is measured by our love for others. If you recall in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, which is a parable about judgment... Remember Jesus talked about the sheep and the goats? Okay. Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. In his parable, the people being judged did not know what Jesus was talking about. They had not seen Jesus in these conditions. They had not cared for him in the way that he had described. And they were confused. But Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, what? You did it to me. So loving others is the practical outworking of loving God. 
It's all connected. Loving others is what it looks like to love God. And to love others starts at the most basic and foundational of all human relationships. The family. And that brings us to the fifth commandment. Found in Exodus chapter 20 verse 12. Which states, honor your father and your mother so that your days may be prolonged on the land which the Lord your God gives you. You've heard this commandment before, haven't you? Now, to introduce this commandment, I thought I would share a Bible story with you. I've been trying to share stories with you for each commandment. And this one comes out of Jeremiah chapter 35. Is anyone here familiar with the Rechabites? Just raise your hand. The Rechabites. Okay, this will be good. There isn't much known about the Rechabites, but they were descendants of Rechab, and their family roots seem to go all the way back to Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses. So they have a distant Family connection to the Israelites. Okay? In the days of King Ahab and his wife, Queen Jezebel, you remember them, right? Ahab and Jezebel, Israel was experiencing some very dark and evil days under their leadership. And Baal worship. Was, had just kind of taken over the land, sponsored by Ahab and Jezebel. A man named Yehu, real name, Yehu, it's, it's spelled J-E-H-U, it's pronounced Yehu. Yehu led a revolt against them. And one day, Yehu was riding in his chariot, and he meets this guy named Yonadab, okay? The son of Rechab. Yonadab is asked which side he is on. And he answered, he was with the Lord, and he joined Yehu. Then they ride off together to the capital, killing all the sons of Ahab, about 70 of them, slaughtering all the prophets of Baal and destroying their temple. Apparently, this this warrior, Jonadab, liked the simple way of life, similar to our modern day Amish. And he and his people became nomadic, like gypsies. 
and to preserve their way of life, Yonadab established some strict rules for his family. For example, they had to live in tents. They could not live in walled cities. They could not plant vineyards or fields so as to settle. And they could not drink wine. Okay? Could not drink wine. Now fast forward some 300 years to Jeremiah chapter 35. Where God's people were once again living in disobedience to God. Go figure. In essence, they had violated the first four commandments. And God had a message for them. Better yet, an object lesson for them. The Lord tells the prophet Jeremiah to invite the Rechabites to the temple for a public ceremony. Okay? You picturing all this? The Rechabites are at the temple for a public ceremony. They are taken to a side room in the temple. It seems that something important is going to happen here. And Jeremiah sets these bowls of wine and cups before the Rechabites. And he invites them to drink up. Okay? It was a public ceremony. Jeremiah, the man of God, was there. And the pressure was on to drink. But the Rechabites refused the wine. Just as God knew they would. Because their forefather, Yonadab, said they couldn't drink wine. They remained faithful and honored the command given by their forefather nearly 300 years prior. And here was the object lesson for God's disobedient people. The Rechabites honored and obeyed their forefather, Yonadab, a mere man. And yet God's own people would not honor and obey God himself. Was it wrong for God to expect the same honor from his own people? Of course not. Then we come to verses 18 and 19 of Jeremiah 35. And we are told, Then Jeremiah said to the house of the Rechabites, This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says, Because you have obeyed the command of Yonadab your father, 
kept all his commands and done according to all that he commanded you. Therefore, this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says. Yonadab, the son of Rechab, will not lack a man to stand before me always. Despite God's judgment at the hand of the Babylonians, that's what they were dealing with, a remnant of the Rechabites would be preserved. They would always have descendants, a continuing line of those who would worship the Lord. The Rechabites honored their forefather, so God honored them with an everlasting blessing. And I think that is somewhat consistent with what is expressed in the fifth commandment. Again, back to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And we are told, Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be prolonged on the land which the Lord your God gives you. This seems like, this seems like a fairly simple and straightforward commandment. Easy to understand and easy to follow. In this commandment, God tells his people to honor their father and mother. And it's important to point out that God was talking to anyone and everyone with parents, regardless of age. This commandment to honor parents was intended for children, for youth, and for adults. So what does it mean to honor our parents? That word honor is the Hebrew word kavod. And it literally means to be heavy. To be weighty. We might say that mom and dad are heavyweights. And that has nothing to do with Jenny Craig or Weight Watchers. That's a totally different context, okay? When I say they are heavyweights, as opposed to being lightweights... It means we are to give them the greatest possible weight in terms of respect and value. Okay? The highest possible weight, consideration of respect and value. Because of the heaviness of their position and the heaviness of their authority over their children, parents are regarded as worth their weight in gold. 
and as such, they are to be treated with a high regard, to be honored, respected, and valued. Now, I want to point something out in this commandment that you may not like, and it may not seem right to you. This commandment to honor your father and mother, hear me, does not include conditions. It's not based on your parents' success or failure as parents. It does not say, honor your parents if they deserve it. Did not say that. It does not say, honor your parents if they treat you right. It does not say, honor your parents if they were good parents. It simply says, honor your father and mother, period. As I said earlier, This seems like a fairly simple and straightforward commandment. But for some, this commandment may seem nearly impossible to obey. Because some people come from dysfunctional And fractured families where parents are broken. In some cases, the parent is absent. And maybe even unknown by the child. In some instances, there may be substance abuse problems in the home, drug use, and alcoholism that impact how a parent interacts and cares for their children. Maybe parents are cruel and abusive and neglectful towards their children. I could go on and on with this, and you know this. And surely any of this would impact a child's relationship with their parents and their ability and surely their willingness to obey this commandment. But with that said, the central truth does not change. We are to honor our parents whether they were good parents or not. David Simons was a former cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. What? And he spoke of his childhood home. His father was extremely demanding. Rarely saying a kind word. Always pushing him with harsh criticism to do better. 
His father decided that he would never permit his son to feel satisfaction from his accomplishments. Reminding him there were always new goals ahead. When Dave was a little boy, his dad gave him an unassembled bicycle with the command that he put it together. After Dave struggled to the point of tears, his father said, I knew you couldn't do it. Then he assembled it for him. When Dave played high school football, his father was unrelenting in his criticisms. After every game, his dad would go over every play and point out Dave's errors. Dave said, most boys got butterflies before the game. I got them afterwards. Facing my father was more stressful than facing any opposing team. When Dave entered college, he hated his father and chose to play football at the University of Georgia because it was further from home than any school that offered him a scholarship. After college, he was the second round draft pick of the St. Louis Cardinals. Joe Namath was the team's first round pick. Dave said, I telephoned my father to tell him the good news. And he said, how does it feel to be second? Despite the hateful feelings he had for his father, Dave began to build a bridge to him. Christ had come into his life during college, and it was God's love that made him turn to his father. During visits at the home, he spoke with him and listened with interest to what his father had to say. He learned for the first time what his grandfather had been like, a tough lumberjack known for his quick temper. Once he destroyed a pickup truck with a sledgehammer because it would not start. And he often beat his son. This, was, this new awareness affected Dave dramatically. Knowing about my father's upbringing not only made me more sympathetic for him, but it helped me to see that under the circumstances he might have done much worse. By the time he died, Dave said, I can honestly say that we were friends. This is a powerful story because there are many people who find it very difficult to honor their parents. It's easy to honor parents who loved you and nurtured you. It's easy to honor parents who made sure they were always there when you were hurting. It's easy to honor parents who raised you in a godly home. These kind of parents are easy to love. 
and respect and honor. But not everyone has these kinds of parents. We live in a fallen, sinful world. And many people live this out in their parenting. And as a result, there are many hurt and damaged people who find this commandment to honor their parents nearly impossible to obey. And yet, this is what God has said to do. Now, before I go any further, I need to say up front that this commandment never says that we have to submit to abuse or neglect by a parent. We don't have to put ourselves in harm's way to honor them. And maybe to honor them is only done from a safe distance. Emotionally and physically. I also need to say at the onset that just like any other authoritative relationship, you don't have to do something they tell you to do if it is outside the will of God. For example, King Saul had a son named Jonathan. Jonathan valued and respected his father and fought by his side. But King Saul wanted David dead. And instead of obeying and helping his father, Jonathan warned David of the plot to kill him, which led to his escape. So honoring... Honoring a broken parent does not mean blind obedience. Especially as children become adults. So how do we honor a parent that is broken? How do we do that? I understand that situations are very unique and there isn't a one-size-fits-all answer. But I think there are some gospel-centered truths that might give us some helpful insight. Or maybe said in another way, maybe we should first look at Jesus and our own struggles with sin and consider what Jesus has done for us before we deal with our broken parents. Let the truths found in the gospel guide our feelings and our actions and our responses. So consistent with the gospel, When honoring a broken parent, we can still be gracious. We can still be 
gracious. We can give grace because God has been gracious to us. Giving us what we do not deserve. That's the gospel. And giving grace does not mean we give someone a free pass for their behavior. Instead, it is acknowledging their behavior and humbly going out of our way to help restore them. Giving them what they may not deserve. That's grace. And it's grace, not hatred, that can lead to repentance and a changed heart. We can also be forgiving. Just as God has forgiven us. That's the gospel as well. I like what Mark Driscoll had to say about this. To forgive broken parents does not mean we excuse or tolerate their bad behavior. And it does not mean we allow it to continue to impact us. But what it does mean is that we release the bitterness and the resentment and even the hatred we might have for them. We release the debt that we may feel they owe us. And we release the desire to get even with them for the wrongs they may have caused us. Instead of trying the case in our own hearts, we give the case to a higher court. We release them into God's hands to deal with them in his own way, in his own time. And this is important because if we cannot forgive, if we continue to live with bitterness towards our parents, it blinds us to any good and any positive contributions they have made in our lives. We only see the bad. We only see the negative because quite frankly, that's all we're looking for. We get fixated on it. That's what Satan does. Satan stalks us like a sniper, constantly pointing out every single bad thing we do. Right? Pointing out every single bad thing we say, we think, we do. That's what Satan does. We can't be like that. Rather, we should be looking for the positive and find ways to be grateful for our broken parents. Is there something you can appreciate about them? Anything. Something. Is there something to be thankful for? Anything. Something. Anything you can be grateful and thankful for is something to honor them for and build upon. It may not change them, but it may change you. It may change you. 
and free you from your bitterness and your past. We are holy and righteous in Christ. That's the gospel truth. And because we are holy and righteous in Christ, we need to act like it. We need to act like who we are. And just as Jesus set the example for us, we need to set the example for others, especially as parents to our own children. As a parent, if you are always complaining about your broken parents degrading them, humiliating them, and making disparaging marks about them, you might be setting up your own children to treat you in the exact same way. In Grimm's Grimm's fairy tales, there is a story of an older man who lived with his young son and his son's wife. They also had a four-year-old boy. The old man's eyes blinked. His hands shook. And when he ate food, the silverware would rattle against the plate. He often missed his mouth when eating, spilling food on the tablecloth. This upset the young wife. And she appealed to her husband to do something. They decided to move their dad to a corner at mealtime away from the family. He would sit alone in the corner eating out of a bowl, sitting on a stool. The old man would look sadly at the others as he desired to be with them. One day, the man dropped his bowl and broke it. His son and daughter-in-law said, If you eat like a pig, then we will serve you like a pig. And they made a wooden trough for the old man to eat out of. Not long after that, they came upon their son playing with some pieces of wood. The dad asked what he was doing. The boy looked up, smiled, and said, I'm making a trough to feed you and mama when I get big. The next day, the old man was back at the table eating with the family again and never scolded or mistreated again. We model now how we want to be treated later. Did you hear that? We model now how we want to be treated later. Lastly, let us not give up in praying for our broken parents. Jesus said to pray for those who mistreat you. So we need to make it a priority to pray that God would change their hearts. 
Pray they would be healed. Pray for restoration in their relationships and pray for their salvation if they are not saved. And don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if God uses you to answer your own prayers. For some, this fifth commandment may be the most difficult of all commandments to follow. And God knows this. God knows this. He understands. I have told you on a few occasions that sometimes the hardest thing is the right thing. Right? Sometimes the hardest thing to do is the right thing to do. God tells us to honor our father and mother. Broken or not. Broken or not. Because in the long run, it is the right thing to do. And actually, it's for your own good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to walk through this this fifth commandment. And I, I admit this has got to be a difficult commandment for many people. And Father, this commandment has been convicting for me. As there have been many times I have not been the dad I need to be for my own children. Father, even now with adult children, Father, help me to model the behavior you want me to to show them. Help me to be a loving father. And Father, as children, help us to honor our parents. Help us be careful with our words, with our actions. Father, I understand that there might be times when we have to honor them from a distance. I understand the hurt may be so deep as to what a child may have gone through. I understand it's a process, Lord. But Father, help us the best we can to honor our parents, broken or not. Give us the grace, Father, we need. Give us the mercy we need. Help us, Father, to be mindful of what you have already given us in Christ. We are forgiven. We've been shown mercy. We've been given grace. And all you ask, Father, is that we extend it to a parent. May you be honored and glorified. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I was thinking about uh, this story with uh, Dave Simmons, football player. 
When I was a teenager in high school, some of you know this, some of you don't, uh, my father went to federal prison. He was in federal prison. Leaving my mom and myself and my younger brother and sister in a small town, just a little larger than Amboy. That was hard. And to be honest with you, I hated my father. No respect, no value, no honor. I hated my father for what he put us through. Being honest. Hated his guts. Wanted nothing to do with him. And then I became a Christian. And something happened. I can never... I can never excuse the things he did. I'm not, I don't do that. But I remember, I remember as a new Christian laying in bed one night. And it had to be something. I mean, obviously it was something. It was, it was a God thing. I remember laying in bed one night. And I remember, I remember God giving me a, just a glimpse, a glimpse into my father's heart. Not, not God the father, but my, my earthly father's giving me a glimpse into his heart. What my father did was wrong. It was wrong. He deserved to go to prison. What he did was wrong. But what God showed me was his heart in that what my dad did, although wrong, he did what he did because he wanted to provide for his family. He took a shortcut. He took a shortcut. But he showed me my dad's heart. His heart was in the right place. His actions were not, but his heart was in the right place. And God gave me a new love for my father. It was a God thing. A new love for my dad. God is so good. I think once I understood what God did for me, the grace he gave me, the forgiveness for me, his mercy to me, his patience to me, It made honoring my dad so much more easier. Hopefully that makes sense. I had to get my heart right. God had to change my heart before I could honor my parents. My dad's long gone. He became a Christian later in life. Hope to see him again. I know I'm going to see him again. But God changes hearts. He really does. I don't know the background of many of you. I don't. Maybe some of you come from just horrific, abusive type situations. 
And what I said to you here might seem absolutely impossible. Right? I don't walk in your shoes. I didn't live your... This might just be totally pie in the sky to you. God is a miracle worker. He can do impossible things. But I find it ironic that before he changed my dad, he had to change me first. He changed my heart first. I had to change. I was so self-righteous. So self-righteous. Judging my father. He'd been judged already by the courts. I'm judging, here I'm judging my father. So God had to change me. He had to change my heart before we could restore our relationship. God is so good that way. He's so good that way. I was, I was so quick to do this to him. Look, look at what you did. Look at what you did. Look at what you did, right? This is what, this is what I did. And God was going, <laughs> How about here, Robert? Let's start here first. Let's start here first. It's hard. That's hard. But God is so good. He knows what he's doing. It's for our own good. And if we can't get past this, if you have a life of bitterness and anger and hate, it will be very, very difficult for you to move forward in your Christian life. Very difficult. How can you love your heavenly father if you hate your earthly father? There's a disconnect there. It doesn't wash. It doesn't wash. So God's a miracle worker. We just have to give it to him. I'm not minimizing. I'm not making excuses for any hurt. Anybody may have experienced any of the trauma. I'm not making any excuses for that. All I'm saying is we have to get past that, though. Somehow, some way. I'm sure there's a process. Maybe for some it involves counseling, some Christian counseling. I don't know. But we've got to move forward. We've got to move forward. Maybe you're here this morning, and, and, and again, there's something you just need to, you, you want to pray about. I'd love to pray with you this morning. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'd love to share him with you. Maybe you're looking for a church to join. Love to have you here as well. How would the Lord leads? How would the Lord leads? I just pray you'd be obedient to him. Thank you for being here this morning. And let me pray for our offering. Uh, I don't see baskets over there. I don't either. Yeah. Let me pray for our offering. Uh, is it open, Larry? Oh, perfect. Look in the bottom. Uh, we pray for our offering and also for our our fellowship. And pray for our food. Uh, there we go. Thank you very much. Heavenly Father, I, again, I thank you so much for your love and your mercy. I thank you, Father, for gathering us uh, here together. Father, I thank you, Lord, for for the words you've given us. And, and uh, even though they are tough words... Uh, Lord God, I thank you for them. Uh, Father, help us to to be the kind of people uh, who follow you uh, and, and would honor their, their parents. Uh, Lord, I, I pray for our offering this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that you, you bless the gift and the giver. 
Lord, you tell us you love a cheerful giver. And Father, I pray that you would help us to be giving out of gratitude and out of joy. And Lord, I also pray, Lord, for our, our food that we're going to partake of. Father, bless those who prepared it. Uh, bless those who brought the food. Lord God, I, I pray that uh, you would use, uh, use this food to, to nourish our bodies. Again, Father, may you be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.